Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Pinato. Now, during this series on the Sabbath, we've been using a particular word, and it's going to come up again during today's presentation, and that word is training. And I've been saying that Sabbath is a training. In a previous presentation, I said Sabbath is a, uh, is a training towards a timeward orientation. And then also Sabbath is a training in a Godward orientation. Now, what's fascinating about that word there, training, is that the, that word does come up in the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 12 through 14, here the Apostle Paul says, For you need milk, not solid food. For solid food is for the mature, for those who by constant use have trained themselves, there's that word, have trained themselves to discern good from evil. The Apostle Paul will also use this same word in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, where he says that those who have been trained, there's that word again, those who have been trained by God's discipline will produce a harvest of righteousness. And so today, what we're going to speak about is Sabbath as preparation or practice for eternity. In other words, we're going to find out today that Sabbath is training for a future time. Now, in the Bible, Sabbath represents various aspects of rest in Scripture. First and foremost, Sabbath comes to represent physical rest. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so that on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. An emphasis on physical rest. Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 through 10, the fourth commandment. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Again, these passages focus on the physical aspect of resting on the Sabbath. But not only does the Sabbath come to represent physical rest, it also comes to represent the spiritual rest that we find in Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus here is inviting us to experience spiritual rest in him. Not only does the Sabbath represent physical rest and spiritual rest, but it also represents emotional rest. In Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 18, God says, my people will live in peaceful dwelling places. That word there is shalom. That their homes, that their families will be peaceful. They They will live and abide in secure homes in undisturbed places of rest. Here the Bible is speaking about that emotional rest that we can find. And so the, so the Sabbath comes to represent physical rest, spiritual rest, emotional rest. And what we're going to focus on today is that the Sabbath also comes to represent the future rest of God. That is the eternal rest of God. That is eternity and heaven. 
And one of the places where we find this concept of the Sabbath representing the future eternal rest of God is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And we're going to read a few verses here. And it says, So as the Holy Spirit spoke, Here the Apostle Paul is quoting from Psalm chapter 95. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation and I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. And so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And what he's saying in this passage is that because of the unbelief of that generation that left Egypt, that generation that saw all the amazing and wonderful miracles that God did before them, uh, through, through the 10 plagues, he brought, God brought the, the mightiest nation on earth at that time, the Egyptian empire, through the 10 plagues, he brought it to its knees. They witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They crossed on dry land through the Red Sea. They saw the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They saw how God provided for them food every morning through the manna. They saw how God provided water to them through the rock. They were there on Mount Sinai. They felt the ground shaking. They saw the lightning. They heard the voice of God. And yet when it came time to enter the land of Canaan, when they came to the border, they were overcome by doubt unbelief, murmuring, negativity, and complaining. And that's why here it says, I declared on oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. And by using this term here, rest, what they mean, what God is speaking about, they shall never enter Canaan. That generation did not in fact, enter Canaan. In fact, they went back into the wilderness for 40 years until that entire generation died. And then a new generation was able finally to enter the land of Canaan. But here, that that word there, rest, is, is equivalent to the land of Canaan, entering the land of Canaan. And by using this word rest, not only is this an allusion to the land of Canaan, But there's already here an immediate connection with Sabbath because the word that is used there in the Greek for rest is the word katapausis. And we've already actually seen a similar word to this in a previous presentation, anapausis, which these are words that are related to the Sabbath rest. And katapausis, in fact, is the word that is used in Genesis 2 in the Septuagint, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, Genesis 2. This is the word, katapausis is the word that is used to describe God rested from all the work that he did on the Sabbath day in Genesis chapter 2. In fact, Paul himself will quote from Genesis 2 in the very next chapter in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 4. So this verse is already immersed in the language of the Sabbath as Canaan being a symbol, the land of Canaan being a symbol of the rest of God and then a connection between the land of Canaan, the rest of God, and the Sabbath. But now the passage continues in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, While the promise of entering his rest is still open. Now, when we read this passage, we ask ourselves, well, 
What do you mean the promise of entering the rest still stands? What do you mean that the promise of entering his rest is still open? Uh, didn't the children of Israel enter finally into the land of Canaan through, through Joshua? And in fact, as the Apostle Paul is writing this, aren't the children of Israel, haven't they been abiding there in the land of Canaan in Israel for all these centuries? What do you mean now that the promise of entering his rest is still open? You see, what the Apostle Paul is doing here is that he's doing something more with that concept of entering the land of Canaan, entering into God's rest. And so Canaan starts becoming a symbol for something greater and better. Canaan is starting to become a symbol, not just for rest on this earth, but also a symbol for heaven which is something that even we do when we speak about heavenly Canaan and we start using these terms and speaking about the eternal rest of God that is eternity. And that's why here the Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter 4 and verses 9 through 11, he says, there remains a rest for the people of God. In fact, the word that he uses here for rest is no longer katapausis, but it's the word sabbatismo. There is still a rest sabbatismo for the people of God. And then he says, let us therefore enter into that rest. And so what's happening here is that the Apostle Paul is bringing in all these various concepts of rest together. Yes, rest here in Canaan and the earthly Canaan rest, but not just associating Canaan with the, with the earthly rest, but also in association with the Sabbath. And then not, not just the uh, relationship with the Sabbath, but then when he says there's still the promise of a rest open to the people of God. He's pointing forward to something bigger and something greater than the earthly Canaan. He's speaking about the heavenly Canaan. He's speaking about that blessed hope of Christians for eternity and for the eternal rest of God. And then that's why he says, let us therefore enter into that rest. The present Sabbath is only a shadow of another Sabbath that is to come. That is a future Sabbath, a Sabbath beyond this world, the eternal Sabbath of God. A well-kept Sabbath here on this earth, and listen to this, this is very important. A, a well-kept Sabbath here on this earth is a dress rehearsal for things above. In finding the rest of God now, we prepare for the full of God's heavenly rest in a future day. For in the Sabbath, we anticipate eternity and remember how in Sabbath time, Kronos time and Kairos time and Aeonius time, they all come together and they all converge in the Sabbath. That is Kronos time being measured time, Kairos time being, being time as seasons and time as meaning and purpose and Aeonius being time as eternity. They all come together and they converge in the Sabbath. And that's why Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 22 shares this beautiful promise as the new heavens and the new earth that I will make will endure before me forever, declares the Lord. So from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come, they will bow down and they will worship before me, says the Lord. Let us therefore make every effort to enter God's eternal rest for you see that sabbath here on this earth is training and preparation for eternity 
And now shifting gears here just a little bit, not only is the Sabbath training and preparedness for eternity, but the Sabbath also becomes preparedness training here on this earth. The Sabbath gets us ready for a time that we can anticipate, but we cannot predict. For even before we enter into that heavenly Canaan and we enter into the eternal rest of God, even before that, the Bible tells us that there will be a time of trouble such as there never was here on this earth. And so the Sabbath will prepare us not only for eternity, but for a time when the world as we know it will fall to pieces. Sabbath trains us in practical wisdom, in clear judgment, in skillful response. Sabbath slows us down enough to notice what truly matters. And some of the most moving stories of the Jewish people keeping Sabbath are the ones when they kept the Sabbath in the midst of crisis and terror. When they kept the Sabbath under siege, when they kept the Sabbath in famine, when they kept the Sabbath in drought, when they kept the Sabbath in Warsaw's ghettos, and when they kept the Sabbath in Hitler's death camps, and when they kept the Sabbath in Stalin's gulags, the Jewish people kept Sabbath when their world was falling to pieces all around them. And I believe that this is key for us as Seventh-day Adventists. The Jewish people's keeping the Sabbath in their days of peace, and now listen to to this because this is also important. This is also a key part here. The Jewish people's keeping the Sabbath in their days of peace, abundance, and freedom prepare them for keeping it in the times of war, scarcity, and captivity. The Jewish people had allowed themselves to be trained by the Sabbath to such an extent that the Sabbath was who they were. The Sabbath became so intertwined with their identity that to be Jewish was to keep the Sabbath. To keep the Sabbath was to be Jewish. Sometimes even we, Seventh-day Adventists, are mistaken by some to be Jewish when we tell them that we go to church on Saturday Sabbath. Have you had, it, have, have you had that experience happen to you when you tell them I go to church on Sabbath and then they say, oh, are you Jewish? As the rabbis are fond of saying, more than Israel ever kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath kept Israel. And again, I think for Seventh-day Adventists, this is very important as, as a key element of our identity as who we are. More than Israel ever kept the Sabbath, the Sabbath kept Israel. Israel's keeping the Sabbath nurtured something deep and hidden within them that came to light only on the day of testing. And I think this is especially true for Seventh-day Adventists as we believe that one day, one of the final tests for humanity will involve faithfulness to the Sabbath. And we see this scenario described all throughout the book of Revelation where the book of Revelation speaks and describes the seal of God, which is an Old Testament symbol for the Sabbath. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 12 and 20, where it says, Moreover, God says, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths that it may be a sign between me and my people that they may know that I am the Lord, their God. In, in the Old Testament, the Sabbath is a symbol for the sign and for the seal of God. 
And we see this scattered all throughout the book of Revelation, not just when the book of Revelation speaks about the seal of God, but also in other places. For example, in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17, the Bible describes the remnant people, God's faithful people at the end of time, the few that are left, that's what the word remnant means, the few that are left, that are left over, those few that are left, it says, here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, the commandments of God. And you start asking yourself, well, there it is, all 10 commandments, but what commandment in particular? Well, when you go to Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7, during the first angel's message, the angel comes down and he proclaims. And among the things that he proclaims is he says, and worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. And that there, my friends, is the largest citation, word for word, quote and citation that you'll find in the book of Revelation of the Old Testament. And that quote comes from no other place than Exodus chapter 20 when it refers to the Sabbath commandment, the fourth commandment. A few verses later in Revelation 14 and verse 12, again, it says, here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Again, this emphasis on the commandments of God, this emphasis on obedience, but also this emphasis that has to do with the Sabbath. Not only do we see that in Revelation 12 and 14, but we also see it contrasted In Revelation chapter 13, where it speaks about the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast being that which is opposite to the seal of God. And again, if the seal of God is the Sabbath, and if the Sabbath and the seal of God speak about God's authority, then the mark of the beast comes to represent the opposite of God's authority. It comes to represent the authority of humanity, our authority to disregard the authority of God that authority of humanism and secularism and and atheism where man has become the measure of all things, the enlightened man, the the, the man of reason, the rational man, the modern man, the postmodern man. And not just out in the secular world, but also even within the church where the church can think to change the word of God through tradition and through theology and through teaching and through philosophy and through science. And the Bible speaks that the church would do this in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, where it says that the little horn power, a symbol for the fallen church of the Middle Ages, that is the the Roman Catholic church, it says that it would think to change the times and the laws. And when we speak about the time and the law, it is only in the Sabbath commandment where time and law come together. All the rest of the commandments are law. The Sabbath commandment takes time and law and brings it together. And it it says that that little horn power would seek to change the times and the laws. And then it says that that little horn power would then persecute God's saints. It would persecute those who decided to be faithful to God. And if it's happened in the past, you can be sure that it is possible for it to happen again in the future. In fact, the book of Revelation tells us that God's people will once again be persecuted again in the future in relationship to their obedience to the law of God and in particular to the Sabbath. And so we see this spread all throughout the book of Revelation, this concept of the Sabbath and the seal of God and the mark of the beast. And and not only there, but also finally in in Revelation 13, it also says in Revelation 14, it says that the worshipers of the beast, they have no rest day or night. Again, all this is Sabbath language. 
found in the book of Revelation. And so, my friends, let us make every effort to enter God's rest now by faith. Let us embrace the Sabbath as a dress rehearsal for God's eternal rest. Let us embrace the Sabbath as a gift and not just as training for eternity, but also as preparedness training in our days of peace and abundance here on this earth and for that day when this world will fall apart. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with us on www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.